Welcome to Lovin' and Leavin', the podcast where a divorce attorney and a family therapist talk about the issues that affect relationships, marriage, love, and divorce. I am one of your hosts, Mark Schoendorf. I am a practicing divorce attorney in the Chicagoland area. And I'm your co-host, Denise Ombre. I'm a therapist and I help individuals and couples in the northern suburbs of Chicago navigate relationship issues. And we are here to talk about the different things we see in our professional lives when it comes to relationships. Like jealousy. And infidelity. Personalities. And abuse and everything else that causes people to leave the one they love. And whether or not those things can be fixed. So welcome to Love and Leave. Hello, Denise. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, everyone out there in uh, in uh, internet land, in podcast land. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Love and Leaving. Uh, so today we're going to talk... About kids. Kids. Yeah. Kids. Kids and relationships kids and divorce. Yep. Man. Now I have children. I do not. So, which is always, I mean, I can speak from experience of having the children and what kind of. Yes. Bomb. That is. That first, that first one, just like a, just an explosion of life change. Yeah. In a major way. Uh, So today, today we're going to talk, so there's lots we can talk about in terms of kids um, there are topics that we have in mind, you know, having too many kids, having not enough children. One partner wants to have kids. One partner doesn't want to have mm-hmm. kids. Um, you know, kids as a fix. Maybe we'll get to that today a little bit. But today we're going to talk just about the transition of becoming a parent and maybe the first year or two of, uh, of that child's life and how that, uh, that manifests in right. relationships and divorce. Right. So what I tell people who don't have kids as a joke Kind of, is that having children is the most incredibly amazing way to totally and completely screw up your life. <laughs> and what that means is that kids obviously are a blessing, but, and there's people have talked about this idea where the, you know, the, the days take forever and the years fly by. Yes. Um, or it's the, the, I've also heard the, um, the hardest job you'll ever love. Yeah. And, uh, um, and there's, you know, is that, Children come along, and whatever you were enjoying about your life beforehand changes Jeez. drastically. I would it's, imagine. It's like you can't, you know, I tell, when I, I, I have friends that are expecting their first, I tell them, go to the movies, go to Puerto Rico, or go, you know, wherever it is, go to some beach somewhere, or go out to, to the city for dinner, do whatever it is you can. Because you'll never be able to do it again. That is once, you, you know, I mean, you can if you want to spend money on babysitters, but then the economics of it, like how much do I really want to spend on a night just to go see a movie in the movie theater, if I got to spend $100 on a babysitter, you're like, well, maybe I'll wait for DVD um, or Netflix. And now I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, and then and I, there was a – so I listened to other podcasts, and there was a podcast that discussed how actually the numbers bear out that people without children um, on average are actually happier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you chart on a day-to-day basis or moment-to-moment basis of how happy you are and you chart that out – on average, if you do not have children, you leave, lead a happier life. Yes. Because the, the hot, if you do have children, the highs are super high and the lows are super, super low. low. And so when you average that out, you're actually on average lower. Whereas if you don't have children, your life is just kind of like going along with a general, you know, average plus happiness. Happiness level, yes. And I can speak again from experience because I have children that they are, I mean, one minute you want to just... Kill them. You just want to uh, take a break. 
and then uh, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, and then the other, you know, in the other moments where they're where when it's good, it's just like the best. Like you know, the two kids, like why can't you just get along and just share the toy? But when they do share the toy, it's like yay, you know, exactly. So Nirvana. that's what we're going to talk about. And um, so obviously, I'm passionate about it, and people out there who are listening who have children um, and will understand that. Um, or not have children, um, and they could begin to understand it. Uh, and trying to get people without children to understand what it's like to have children is a... It, it's that's a like whole a, other that's thing. That's a whole other thing. Uh, so, but that manifests in relationships. Absolutely. The, the stress. The stress the of it. unbelievable stress. Yes. Of having that that first kid. That is first like kid. Smack in the face of just how much work uh, it's going to be. Um, it's, it is very, very stressful and that stressful, that stress can lead to problems in relationships. Problems in relationships. And problems in divorce. Yes. Uh, and can lead to divorce yeah, in a lot of cases. It can. Yeah. And so what I noticed was, was interesting. I got into the field of divorce around the same time that I became a father, hmm. which I thought was funny. Uh, just because it all, it all worked out because now I was able to see why really, people get divorced when they have their first child. <laughs> I, d I, def I don't think I could be a divorce lawyer if I did not have children. If I didn't have a family and kids, because I don't think I would have really, really gotten it. Now I get it. Uh -huh. um, and so I saw a rash of cases where child shows up and then the relationship goes to, to pots. Yeah. To, be, to use a nice word. And I saw one of two things generally happening. One... I saw moms become bear cut, you know, mom bears and become completely overprotective mm -hmm. to the exclusion of dad. Yes, I see that. And then the other thing that I see is dads who just check out. Yes, I see that as well. They are just like, oh my God, I can't do this. So the, the moms becoming overprotective is just symptomatic of, not symptomatic, but I think that they have the baby. And Again, I, I definitely don't want to downplay, you know, the, the joke is that, uh, you know, the men just show up. <laughs> the women do all the work in terms <laughs> of actually the making the human, uh, which is just a mind-boggling experience and a stressful experience. Yes. I'll say that. Very. Um, but, uh, um, you know, women certainly feel, and rightfully so, a certain sense of ownership because... Over that baby that over they that baby, produced. They produced. They produced the human. Yes. Their, and their body works really, really hard and does some crazy things to, to make another human being. Um, uh, so, so then they're out and then they have this feel, the sense of like, I just, I, they know the best. There's not, there's, they, nobody knows better. Nothing that the husband can do is helpful. And good enough. That's right. And so mom knows best and mom should be in charge of everything. And this kid is the world to them. Right. And I mean, is there... I don't, I don't see what's going on there, but what's going on there? Well, I think the kid becomes everything and everything revolves around the kid to the exclusion of everybody else and to the exclusion of dad and to the exclusion of the marriage. And that becomes a problem. Of course. You know, you cannot block out your spouse and block out the marriage and stop attending to the relationship that you have. But now some people, they have a kid and then they're able to... Balance share. It. They're in little balance. Yeah. Share share the responsibility. That's What's right. causing Mama Bear to become Mama Bear and say, you know, to look at Dad as a, you're a different person. You're not able, you know, 
and we got married. We 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 you know, promised to love each other and support each other. But now that there's a kid here, I don't think you're going to do a good job. That's isn't that is that what's going on in the back of her head? I think that a lot of times it can be fear based. You know that they get suddenly fearful for this child that's now outside of them and they can't protect it. That something's going to happen to the child that they want to just keep it safe um, and make sure that nothing ever touches this child, including other people. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I think a lot of a lot of the mama bear th- dynamic is fear based. But you know what? So is there something special or unique or particular in, that causes mom to be that? I mean, that she's prone to that, that she's susceptible to that? There's probably some susceptibility to that that you don't see underlying before they have a child. Um, there's maybe some anxiety issues that ha- are there before they have a child that get activated. So I, I've seen a situation where mom was not only little mom bear, but um, we'll call them you know, the overprotective mom. But she was also uh, a med student doctor, oh. you know, uh, and so now she had the, like, the moral high ground, uh, I suppose, or the, the educational. The educational high ground. You know, yeah, she had the, the advantage, situational advantage, let's call it that. Yes. And so she was taking the kid like, to the emergency room, like, in the first year, like five or six times. Oh, my goodness. And, and this is an educated person. And this is a doctor. Yeah. And the pediatrician had to look at her and say, stop doing this. The kid's going to get sick from something they're going to pick up at the at ER. At the ER. You know, and this is not a big deal. Right. Like, There's nothing wrong with this child. Let's calm down. Right. What's going on there? Fear. fear. Honestly, just fear Irrational and anxiety. Fear. Irrational fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. Yeah. That's and it I'm gets saying. activated by having this baby, this this completely innocent, helpless being, you know, I remember my sister saying to me when she left the hospital with her first child that she couldn't believe they were letting her leave with this baby. I totally understand (laughs) that feeling. Like what? They're just letting me walk out with this baby. Yeah. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the same, I had the same feeling. And and it's funny because I'm going to say they ease you into it. The first two days you're in the hospital and they got nurses and they'll take the baby. Oh, you need to get some sleep. Let's take the baby. Oh, you want us to do the feeding? Well, you know, it's fine. No, we'll do it. And it's, it's sort of like this great thing. And then they put then you they in the car seat you out. and you're in the car and it's just you and this, this little, little baby. And this baby. And I remember thinking like, I cannot leave this little baby person alone. They cannot be alone right. for like the next 15 years. Like, right. the, like some, I need to make sure that somebody's around this child for 15 years. Yeah, uh, it's a you little know, overwhelming. It is, it is quite overwhelming. Yeah, and, oh. and I don't think my sister let anybody touch that baby for the first five months of its life. I get that. Now, with the second child, it was like, here, take the baby. I know. <laughs> you know, but with the first baby. I have three. So, you yeah. know, but the third, you're just like, ah, it's dirt. That's right. No, it's dirt. It won't bother <laughs> it's him. It's totally fine. You know, you but can, with Sure, the you can hold the baby, baby by the ankle. It's fine. That's right. But with the first baby, I don't think she even let her husband touch that baby for the first five months. Well, that, that can be a problem. Well, <laughs> and that can be a problem. <laughs> well, or maybe not. Maybe he says, you know what? Great. I'll go to sleep. That's <laughs> that's fine. That, that I will say... Also, it's probably the, and we will get, so let's talk, we'll talk about dads that are checking out. Yeah. You know, I, I, my, I presume that um, that is probably based on this, like, overwhelming uh, amount of work that is required to, to really take care of a baby. Um, that dads check out? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think so. I think that's fear-based as well. I think dads get very afraid that they're going to, you know, hurt the baby or that they don't know what to do with the baby. You know, you see a lot of dads who check out just because they don't, they don't know what to do. Right. Um, I have seen cases where moms complain to me that dad isn't doing enough or isn't, doesn't know how to do anything. Doesn't know how to do anything. You know, doesn't know how to do, doesn't know how to hold the baby, doesn't know how to change the baby, doesn't know how to... Right. But I suspect, I mean, I'm a hands-on dad. I suspect that there's, obviously there's fear on the, the dad's part, but there also might be unwillingness on the mom's part. Yes, of not letting the dad participate. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I've also, like I said, I've also seen, you know, baby comes along, dad's out, and... You know, I had one case where I just felt like, you know, dad instantly got a new girlfriend, was just, I think he did not want to get his hands dirty, you know, literally or figuratively. Um, I mean, the whole life change, the whole, like, no sleep, like, that is, that is, that is, you know, if I look at pictures of, you know, what I looked like right before my my daughter was born and, like, the year after, I think (laughs) it looked like I aged, like, five years. And, uh, and so that was super, super hard and super, you know, I mean, just everything is, is different now. You gotta, you know, take, and my, my daughter didn't sleep very well, you know, the, the first, uh, year of her life. So it was, it was really like, uh, it was difficult. Yeah. And so I can imagine, you know, I'm around that time, you know, I have this case where dad is like, you know, adios mom. And, uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, he just doesn't want to, he just doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. It's I have style. cases where you, literally... You can't ride a Harley when you got right, a baby. Right, when you've got a baby. <laughs> That's right. There's no place for a car seat. Right. <laughs> um, I have cases where, you know, the the guy has divorced his first wife when their child was one and divorced his second wife when their first child was nine months. So he literally cannot stay in a marriage where they have a kid past a year. What about... When, uh, here's common, this is common, isn't it? Where, where dads just feel like they are so second fiddle to that baby. Mm-hmm. Like they are just not. I They're mean, no longer top dog. They're like, no longer right. looked at as king of the castle. Right. Right. What, what, what's going on there? Well, from whose perspective? From the mom's perspective, I think that the kid suddenly takes full reign of everything and becomes the center of everything. Right. And that's a problem. And from the dad's perspective, they suddenly have an ego problem and their ego takes a hit when they're no longer, you know, the center of the universe for their wife. And, you know, that's a problem both, you know, with their narcissism and also it's a, it's a real problem when, when they can't handle that. But it's also a real problem when the wife can't give them any attention. Right. So, I mean, is there, I'll say, is there a workaround or a solution or what, what you know? Yeah, there has got to be a balance. I, I just felt when I went through, you know, having children, I, I just kind of try to be mature about it and say, look, <laughs> these are these are children, you know. Right. You, you just got to, you, you, your life's different. You can't, you know, you, know, you can't uh, do the things you want to do anymore. And then that's, there's other things you get to do. Right. And I try to keep a perspective of saying, well, you know, at some point, all these kids are going to need for me is money. <laughs> right. And at that point, I'll be able to, you know, watch the shows I want to watch when I want to watch them or go and, and spend a weekend someplace. That's a uh, good perspective. But, you know, but, but in the time being, it certainly feels like a long time before you get back to 
that yourself. Point. Right. Yeah. Before you get yourself back and your house back and your life back. <laughs> That's a long time. You know, or, or you come to me and you just give the wife everything. And, you know, <laughs> there you go. She can have the house. Yeah. But um, so, I mean, barring just being a, I want to call myself a mature person because I'm certainly immature in a lot of ways, but just barring having that, you know, hopefully adult perspective, what, I mean, what happens there when, when somebody's, you know, what, is there a strategy? Is there a, a mechanism or is there something that, that we can get to, to uncover it in, in your line of work? Yeah. I mean, I think that people have to come in and talk to each other. Like they have to really talk to each other and open up about what's going on emotionally for them. Um, if they can't really be vulnerable with each other, it's going to be a problem because all of these feelings are going on underneath and they surface in action and they end up acting really poorly with each other and taking things out on each other. And that deteriorates the marriage in so many ways. And the marriage takes the hit and it's hard to recover from that. As the kids get older, you need to attend to the marriage when the kids are young. So you have to come in and talk to each other and, and try and really figure out what's going on between the two of you and attend to that. Even when the kids are really little, I feel like, do is there an issue or problem? Well, I'll put the, you know, so, so many a morning where my, you know, just trying to get out the door. Oh, it's hard. Is impossible. It's yeah. impossible, but it's really, really, really hard. And then my wife and I will get snippy with each other. Yes. And we'll say things and uh, we don't throw things, thankfully. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, like, it's like, okay, kids are fed. Sorry, I was a jerk, you know. Yes. And, and you sort of get and back to zero. And you sort of get back to zero. But people, there's certain people that just can't do that. Certain people can't do that. And, they, and, and a lot of it's about vulnerability. They have trouble letting themselves be vulnerable with their spouse again because so much is built up and they're just angry or they they feel hurt mm -hmm. all the time by their spouse's behavior or by the lack of attention. And they need a place to kind of get back to that, you know, and they need a third person there to kind of help them be vulnerable again. I would imagine that there's a lot of, you know, let's say dad is saying, well, you know, I really need some more attention. And mom yeah. is saying, I really need some more help. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I need more help and you have no idea how much I do around here and I'm underappreciated and I need the attention, you right. know, and you know, you need attention. I need a day off. And, right. uh, and, and then that's it's just, usually the argument I hear. Right. I can, I, I can imagine. That. I, I don't even, I'm not even a therapist, but I, I definitely understand that. I think that, um, you know, those issues, this is just pop up in the divorce context. Um, I know we didn't sort of cover that as much. Um, on the on an average basis, in in litigation, there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of fighting over what the other parent is able to do or is not able to do. There's a lot of this. Is, he's not able to do this. Right. She's not able to do that. And then you know, on the other side, the, the you know the bear cub, uh, not great for you know being in a divorce where you, you're actively cutting out you know dad mm -hmm. from decisions. You know, you know, not informing him of the doctor visits or what happened or right or you know, obviously, I mean, there is a concern if, you know, you're constantly taking your kid to the ER, right? <laughs> you know, yes, that, that that's can come a problem. up. That's a problem. That is, you know, a child rep would get in there and say, what, you know, what are you doing? What's going on here? And why do you need that? Does that need to happen? And that might eventually lead to, you know, a custody evaluator coming in uh -huh. and, and saying, okay, mom, mom's, you know, got this neurotic anxiety and that's getting in the way of the parenting. 
um, or causing bad parenting decisions. That's how that, that works out. But is there, there uh, um, you know, I also, I feel like if they're trying to figure out how to solve this, this issue, mm-hmm. like what we were saying before about, um, you know, I, I need more attention than I need more help. I feel like that first year or two of having a child is such a dynamic time. Yes. It's, I mean, not only is it stressful, but it, it's a changing stress. I mean, having the stress of a, just a newborn that needs to be fed every three hours is different than having the stress of a two-year-old that says no to everything. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Or a one-year-old that can kind of crawl, kind of walk. But it's starting to get into everything. Right, and it's starting to climb on stuff and it might fall and, you know, is talking. And then, you know, then there's also the added layer of, you know, are there developmental issues? Right. You know, you have all this stuff that's constantly changing. How does that affect, or it, can you get past that? Um, you know, how does that affect the the healing process? The healing process of the couple? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the, the answer is that there is no good strategy for the healing because it's always changing. It's different every day. And that is a problem with a couple because once you develop one strategy, it changes in two weeks and they need a new strategy because the baby because the baby needs a new strategy i i I always i've noticed with my children that you know you know the sleep pattern changes every two weeks changes every every 10 days there's something new that you know she's having a hard time with the bottle right now well Mm -hmm. you know what we'll talk about this in in two weeks weeks. because something's going to be different and it'll be easier and there'll be something else that's going to be annoying and we'll get through that um so i mean is so then is the is the, the, I don't say the advice, but like the strategy is hold on. Hold on, right. <laughs> hold because on. it's going to change maybe, in two weeks. Maybe, maybe once the kid's 18 months old and walking and talking. It'll be better. Yeah, and on a regular sleep routine and we have our childcare solution in place and static that we can. You can regroup and you can get back to each other and things will improve. Absolutely. That's a, that's a big strategy right there just to hold on right (laughs) and hold on to each other you know and not lose sight of what you had before the baby that you can get back to that no i think i think so the key today with with that new baby hold on hold on hold on hold on all right on that note uh well thank thanks for thanks for the the discussion thanks everyone out there in in uh all of our listeners in podcast land as i'm gonna call you uh, and we got some more fun topics. Believe me, this is not the last time we're going to talk oh, about kids. Oh, we've got a lot to talk about with kids. So much. Kids. Kids. Always always a source of, of elation and aggravation. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lovin' and Leavin'. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please find and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends about us. And of course, if you yourself are having personal or relationship issues that you would like to work on or need help with, and you live in or near Chicago, you can find me on the internet at deniseombre.com. That's A-M-B-R-E. Or call at 847-729-3034. Again, on the web at deniseombre.com or 847-729-3034. If you are unfortunately at a point where your relationship or marriage is not working and you need legal guidance, I am available. I focus on all aspects of family and divorce law, including child custody, support, 
dividing property, businesses, handling parenting time and visitation, and everything that goes along with it. You can visit me on the web at illinoisdivorcelaw.net. Again, illinoisdivorcelaw.net or call 312-878-1202 to set up a consultation. Again, 312-878-1202 and I would be happy to help. Please mention the podcast when you call. And if there's a topic you think we should cover, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. Thanks again and join us next time on Lovin' and Leaving.